Welcome to the 10th edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast. My name's Rebecca Field. I'm a chartered trademark attorney at IP law firm HGF, and I'm joined by my colleague Lee Curtis, also a chartered trademark attorney at HGF. Hello, and yes, indeed, we have reached double figures uh, for our podcast. As you know, the Fashionably IP podcast has been developed from the success of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn group, which is run by us and now has approaching 13,000 members, including many of the leading IP council across the world, both in-house and in private practice. This podcast series finds inspiration from the subjects commented on in that group. If you're not a member of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn group, please find it amongst the groups on LinkedIn and simply apply to join. To be clear, this podcast is not legal advice, and if you have any queries on the points we have raised, please contact us directly at either rfield at hgf.com or lee at alcurtis at hgf.com. This podcast is the first in a series of three podcasts on the key aspects of design law in the UK and EU, with of course a fashion spin. Our plan is to run a second series of podcasts on key aspects of trademark law in the UK and EU in due course, and yet again, it will have a fashion spin. However, we thought we would firstly tell you just a little bit about HGF once again. Please don't get bored if you've heard this before. We have changed it this time. So, HGF. Well, HGF is one of the leading IP firms in Europe. We have offices across the European Union, uh, including uh, in the United Kingdom offices in the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, and indeed Switzerland. Uh, we manage the IP portfolios of many of the world's leading companies and can do all things IP, whether that is clearing your IP, registering your IP, or enforcing your IP. Given this podcast is about design law, I should mention that HGF has a large and growing design practice. We advise leading fashion brands under design clearance and provide advice and file numerous design applications not only in the United Kingdom and the European Union, but across the globe. Now back to Rebecca and fashion design. Thanks, Lee. So in this 10th podcast, we're going to talk about disclosure, an important concept in the field of registered and unregistered design rights in the UK and EU. Disclosure impacts design law in two important ways in the UK and EU. Firstly, with regards to the interaction between first disclosure and the grace period with regards to registered design rights, and secondly, with regards to how and where to disclose a design with regards to unregistered design rights. So turning to registered design rights first, why is disclosure important in this area and have there been any cautionary tales when discussing disclosure and fashion designs in this field, Lee? As many of you will know, the UK and EU has in place a one-year grace period between first disclosure and the date of filing a design application. This grace period is designed to give the applicant the opportunity to test the market with a design uh, to determine whether it is a commercial success and then decide whether to file a design application uh, for such a design. This can be particularly important in the world of fashion. Many designs have fleeting sales runs, many designs come and many designs go in the world of fashion, and often their sales do not justify the need to register the design. However, some fashion designs last the test of time and explode onto the market. Uh, For these designs, it is important to register them, and one can use the one-year grace period uh, to your advantage. However, there are a number of points you need to bear in mind when utilizing the one-year grace period. 
Firstly, although uh, major fashion markets such as the US and Canada do have a one-year grace period, many commercially important markets and countries do not, such as China. If you launch a fashion design and do not file a design application before launch and utilize the grace period in the UK and EU, you will not be able to file a valid design application in China, for example. Further, the one-year grace period only applies to the disclosure by the applicant or a successor in title or others connected in such a way to the applicant. The risk in using the one-year grace period is it is perfectly possible for an unconnected third party to come up with an identical design or design which gives the same overall impression and disclose it to the world before the first design registration was filed. And this would destroy the novelty of a design registration subsequently filed by the first designer. Although one could rely on registered design right in this scenario, if applicable, it is a major disadvantage of using the grace period in the UK and EU. And indeed, uh, Rebecca, there have been some cautionary tales regarding disclosure in the grace period in the fashion sector. The most notable of these cases relates to the Crocs uh, shoe brand, in which an EU design registration was invalidated by self-disclosure around two years before the application date. A design of Croc shoes were originally launched at a boat show in Florida. The shoes were originally designed as a boat shoe. However, in time, they subsequently developed into a fashion item in high demand. And as a result of that success, it was decided to register the design in the EU. However, when it came to enforce that registration, the registration was invalidated on the basis that the design had been disclosed more than a year before the filing date of the registration. Crocs attempted to argue that consumers in the EU would not have been aware of the design of the shoe and its illustration at the boat show in Florida. However, unfortunately for Crocs, the judge pointed to photos of the boat show and the Crocs design on the internet. Any disclosure is uh, often deemed global disclosure, putting your design registrations at risk in the UK and the EU if it does indeed appear on the internet. What is the importance of disclosure for unregistered design rights, Rebecca? Well, unregistered design rights in the UK and EU comes about on disclosure or first marketing to the public automatically. However, where you disclose for the first time has an important bearing on whether you can obtain an unregistered design right. For UK unregistered design right, which protects shape and configuration and can last 15 years from the end of the year when the design was first recorded or made or 10 years from first marketing, if protection comes via first marketing, you will need to have disclosed your design in the UK or a limited range of qualifying countries. Further, to obtain the new supplementary unregistered design right in the UK, which has come about following Brexit and which covers elements of colour, contours and the like, you have to first disclose the design for the first time in the UK. Supplementary design right can be an important design right in the fashion world. First disclosure in the EU does not secure UK supplementary design right and first disclosure in the EU can effectively destroy the novelty of any unregistered supplementary design right in the UK, so it is quite complex. Also, although not as yet settled by case law, there was a UK case, Beverly Hills Teddy Bear Company versus PMS International, on the way to the Court of Justice of the European Union, CJEU, which would have decided the issue once and for all, but it was actually settled. The general consensus is that to obtain unregistered design right in the EU, which covers shape, configuration, colour, contours and other elements of fashion design, one has to disclose the design for the first time in the EU. 
The first-time disclosures are key for the owners of fashion designs outside the UK and EU. For example, it is likely that a US designer will disclose their design for the first time in the US, which potentially means that they cannot benefit from UK and EU unregistered rights. There is a possible way around this issue. Again, although not settled by case law, some have suggested that fashion brands and designers should consider simultaneous disclosure, possibly by the live streaming of a fashion show itself. So, for example, if one were to live stream a fashion show from London globally and there is proof that consumers in the EU viewed that show at the same time and saw the designs concerned, then one could claim first disclosure in the UK and EU simultaneously. There is, however, a question whether that would be enough and whether the physical disclosure of a design has to be within the jurisdiction concerned and whether virtual disclosure via live streaming would be enough. It should also be remembered that designs disclosed for the first time in the EU before the end of the Brexit transitional period on 31st of December 2020, and which are still less than three years old, can benefit from the new UK continuing unregistered design rights which essentially mirrors the EU unregistered design right and covers many elements of fashion designs. Lee, are there any general rules which people and companies should follow on disclosure? Well, I think you should keep good records of when, uh, where your design was disclosed. Further, think about simultaneous disclosure if possible, as mentioned by yourself. In an attempt to have an arguable case, at least for unregistered design protection, both in the UK and the EU, Also remember the one-year grace period and accept some of the disadvantages of relying on such a period with regards registered design protection. Thanks, Lee. We hope that you've enjoyed our 10th Fashionably IP podcast and more will follow in the months to come. Please feel free to share this podcast and rate on the various platforms. Also feel free, if you've not already done so, to listen to all of our previous podcasts. Thank you for listening and good luck with your disclosing. Goodbye.